And we've been in this series called Why We Sing. And uh, if I were to ask you, why is it that we sing? I know I would hear you say, um, because the warriors are so great. The warriors are so great, like thousands upon thousands of people gathering at Oracle to watch this last game as they crushed. I'm sorry, this is, this is my moment. I'm going to go ahead and get it out here. As we crushed the Cavs. Uh, not hating on LeBron, love LeBron for the record, but uh, who, who watched it? I'm just, show of hands, anybody watch the final game of the, wow, really? Just me and like two others, three others, okay, four others, great. Um, so I'll try my best to paint just a little picture. In case you don't know it, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I've never been to a game yet, so uh, anybody with any connections, I'm like shamefully asking for tickets right now, I can't believe it. But um, I'm not so ashamed. Um, anyway, last game um, of the season, we're, um, we're up by three, so we're heading into the fourth game. And I, I'd planned it so that my afternoon, like there was nothing else for me to do that night. I uh, had, had what I wanted to eat right there by my side. Everything was ready for this moment, and it was so enjoyable. I mean, I just loved watching the entire game. I can't remember the last time I watched a full game but I, but I had the opportunity to watch the game. Uh, Steph Curry was hot. Uh, Clay Thompson got on fire. KD, uh, MVP, he, he, he killed it. So um, I can't believe he didn't see it. It was amazing. Uh, City Hall, City Hall here in San Francisco, uh, blue and yellow, you, you know, supporting Dub Nation. I loved it. Even, even Muni Metro, yeah, the little lights going, going forward there through, through the tunnel, blue and yellow, no surprise. Um, do you remember last, um, last four, in the last four years that the Golden State Warriors have won the championship three out of the last four times? That's incredible. Um, last year, the 2017 jersey in game three, Steph Curry's game three jersey, do you remember how much this thing was auctioned off for? The thing sold for $135,000. Today we're talking about worth, by the way. We're talking about value and worth. And uh, there are other things uh, that that have worth and value, some some very popular things in our world. I was researching this and found there's a 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO. Do you know about this car? Uh, Was was purchased, sold sold to a private collector in the UK, uh, so it actually sold for that amount, $35 million. I'm not, like, that's what I just said. I, I said it on purpose. $35 million this car sold for and has already been reappraised at $52 million. Um, some of us are going, you better believe it. And others are going, what? You'd pay that for a car? Uh, so you're already understanding with me as I'm going to start sharing some of the values on some of these things that value is somewhat intrinsic, but value is also what we decide to attach to something. Is that right? Uh, John Lennon's Rolls Royce. Remember what that? You've heard about that. Remember what that sold for? $2.29 million for that car. Uh, I thought this was interesting. A feather of a Hua bird. Is that how you say that? It's spelled H-U-I-A, Hua bird. A feather, a single feather. This animal is extinct, and this feather uh, just sold for $10,000. One feather, one bird. The value, the worth placed on that thing. A crystal piano. 
uh, our friend Hao, Hao Zhang, the uh, concert pianist here at San Francisco Conservatory of Music, who's visiting his parents in uh, China right now. As a pianist, I don't think he would pay $3.2 million for a crystal piano. Um, if you like to eat, there's the Le Burger Extravagant, $295 for this burger. Uh, it's at a, a restaurant called Serendipity Number no. 3 in New York City. It's held together with a solid gold diamond-encrusted toothpick going right through the center of it. And they don't let you keep it. No, no, I'm joking. I don't know. Um, or you may think, you know what? I just like to rest. That's what I value, and that's what has the most worth to me of all things. I just want to rest. Well, there's a magnetic, magnetic floating bed for $1.6 million dollars. Saw this picture, it was in this person's loft, and it's magnetically somewhat um, wired and, and uh, orchestrated so that it's there. And uh, anyway, $1.6 million, I don't think so. Um, what, what about things of more value? What about a friendship? What about that best friend that, in my estimation, is worth more than anything that I just mentioned? You might, you're probably thinking, that, 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 that's, a, that's a really good friend. Um, what, what about family? What, what about a spouse or what about a loved one? What about love itself? What about Jesus? There we go. We just got into a conversation. What about Jesus? And that's kind of what I want to, I want to read a passage and I want to talk about uh, uh, what worth does Jesus have and then from that same passage, we're going to see what worth you have. Because you've been created by God, and you too have worth. Okay, so that's what we're looking at today, is finding worth in Jesus and finding our worth in God. And we'll read from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 9 through 14. Uh, and keep in mind, this is a song. These are lyrics to a song, and, and, and kind of the context of the picture of what's being captured here is a scene in heaven, a glorious scene in heaven. John is our writer, and he's having a vision, a, a God-inspired vision of one scene of what heaven will look like. And one scene is all these people from many uh, different nations and languages and tribes uh, ascribing that God has worth and value. And so let's, uh, let's read that together. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise, and honor, and glory, and power, forever and ever. 
the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, we want to ascribe and agree and acknowledge your worth, your value. We, we were just talking about the, the, the value and the worth of the, the Golden State Warriors and how they were celebrated because of that value and that worth. And we talked about different values being attached to cars and food and a bed and vacations and different things. But God, we're here to say that you and you alone have greater value than all of that. Help us today see your worth. Help us today worship you and sing because you are worthy. And help us find our worth in you today, Father. We pray in your name, amen. Okay, so when we're attaching, when we're looking at the worth of Jesus, how would you even go about answering that question? I mean, where, where do you even start? Right? There's, there's a market for doing this with cars. There's a, there's a market for doing this with antiques. There's, there's a way to do this with clothes that you're trying to go and get rid of at, at crossroads. You know, you're going to go in there and, 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 and get rid of those clothes, and they're going to give you some valuation of those clothes. Maybe the brand name, who wore it, what, uh, what style is it in or is it out. But how do you even begin to put a value on Jesus? Um, and I just want to say that, that, that things, are, things are valued by a few factors such as beauty and benefit. Any research that, that I did this week or you may do on how do we find value for something, it's on what is beautiful and what do you think will bring benefit to you. Kind of like those cookies that I had at a party this past week. There were several cookies, all homemade. They were sort of in different shapes. And yet just watching people choose the ones that looked a certain way to themselves. You ever chosen a cookie that way before? This is the one I want, not that one. Something about it, when we think about its value, it attracts you. Something intrinsic about itself draws you to itself. That's the part about Jesus that I want us to talk about here. Uh, it, it's like the way uh, one uh, c- color of a car is maybe more enticing, more luring to us. This friend that I was with yesterday, as soon as a certain color car went by, we both noticed it. We, we both liked it the best. And by the way, you all know this, but you could take the same year-making and model of a car, and yes, there are certain colors more expensive than the other ones. Same year-making and model. Yes. Why? Because certain value and worth is placed on those things. Um, how do we attach value to Jesus is my question. Answer, we don't. <laughs> Intrinsic value is something that a thing, an experience, and, and Jesus already has. Worship, however, worship is when you and I begin to express that value and express that worthiness that this person really has. Look here in, uh, in, in verse, uh, verse 9. It says, Jesus was slain. Jesus, Jesus was put to death. So there's another way that we find value in something, that, that something is doing something for me. Like you end up investing in something. You, you, maybe you pay the, the, uh, the $295 for that hamburger we were just talking about because you think it's going to do something for you. Maybe it's going to make you look cool on Instagram. I don't know. 
Um, maybe it's going like, to be so enriching because it was um, gluten-free or grass-fed. I have no idea about this burger. Um, but think of who Jesus is and what he's done when assessing and when looking at and evaluating the worth and the value of Jesus. Verse 9, he was slain. Verse 9 again, he, he purchased people with his blood. There is nobody else ever in history claiming to have been a substitutionary atonement for all of mankind. Literally, if we were to line up all the representatives of all the religions, uh, and all due respect here, um, we're saying that Jesus is incredibly different and of immeasurable value and worth. Namely because of what this, the lyrics of this song is saying here. He was slain. He purchased. He purchased you. It was costly. And this happened by his own blood. He purchased people. He, he's a substitutionary atonement. Uh, that, that grabs you when, when you think about worship. It grabs you. It, it gets your attention during the week. Not just here on Sundays, but during the week when maybe sin is luring you and enticing you and drawing you to itself, or our enemy, Satan, is lying to you, thinking that, hey, you you should just uh, spill your affections on this thing, and you should worship that thing. It's this substitutionary atonement that grabs your attention once again. This Jesus who, out of love and joy for you, laid down his life for you and for me and for all nations and all peoples, That's his worth. That's why these people are singing. That's why they're celebrating. I mean, remember the thousands upon thousands of people cheering for the warriors, chanting, celebrating, acting crazy. And and it was right. It was good. It was appropriate. They'll be gathering for a a, a big celebration in Oakland a few days from now for for the parade. I, I hope you can make it. I mean, it's going to be incredible. Look at verse 11 here. It says that there were thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000 of these angels and these worshiping creatures, worshiping, singing to the Lamb, singing to the substitutionary, atoning, sacrificial Jesus. They're exploding in worship. Verse 12, with a loud voice they said, Worthy is this Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So how do we attach value to Jesus? I think we can learn from the psalmist in Psalm 139 where he says, Such knowledge, such beauty is too wonderful. I don't even have words for it. I can't even attain to it, he says. I'm undone. That's what happens in worship for you. That's why in Scripture and in your experience with worship, you see people fall down to their knees. You see hands raised. You see shouts. You you hear tambourines. You hear clapping. Uh, Rennell, leading us in worship a few moments ago, beginning to clap. That's what's beginning to happen here. That's why there's that expression going on. This God has done something great, and he's greatly to be praised. So think about the process of evaluation and re-evaluation when you think about Jesus' worth. 
what is Jesus worth to you right now? And that's a process for me and you, isn't it? Where we begin to evaluate how I value Jesus or not. In what situations I might value Jesus or not. How I think Jesus might benefit me or not. And that's what this is as we discuss and think about and, and take an adventure through this together in looking at who this Jesus is. is we begin to reevaluate Jesus' worth. We begin to sit in it for a moment. We're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, I, I didn't realize the value and the worth. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I've really embraced that and received that in all of its beauty. Another way to, to know what you might value is think about how much time do you spend with it? How much money do you spend on it? It can mean anything. And we established that a few weeks ago that we are worshiping creatures, Christian or not, church-going or not. All of us worship something, someone, some experience. We've been made that way. We're going to pour out our affections, our love, um, our, our money, our time on something. And so the way to evaluate if I'm really valuing Jesus is how much time am I spending with Jesus? How often am I calling out to this Jesus? How, am I trusting Jesus with my future? Or am I deciding to handle my future on my own and with my own resources and my own intellect and my own networking ability? That's how I can tell if I'm really valuing Jesus. What makes you happy is another way to see what you really value. What is it? What is it that you know that will make you happy? Like, honestly, what is it? Um, Another thing you and I do as we begin to uh, attach value to something is we do a compare and contrast, don't we? You ever did that in the dating world? I hate to say it, but if you've ever dated, you most likely have done this, is I'm going to maybe ask this person out instead of that person out. This is what we do. There's a compare and contrast. It's like choosing that cookie that we talked about at that party. I'm going to choose that cookie instead of that one. Um, Psalm 73, again, again, David here in the psalm. Psalm 73, verse 25, he says, I desire you, O God, more than anything else on earth. Hear the contrast? He's comparing. We all have desires, but God, I desire you more than everything else. Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2, he says, How lovely, how beautiful are you, O Lord, more than all else. You're more beautiful, you're more lovely than popularity to me. You're more beautiful and lovely than sexual pleasure to me. You're more beautiful and lovely to me than success and prestige and power and money and position and a house and a future that I can see. This is what he says. This is what it looks like to value. This is what it looks like to worship. This is what it looks like for your heart and your soul to sing. Yes, audibly when we come together like this or when you're alone in worship, but stemming from the Holy Spirit living inside of you, reminding you of this truth so that that you sing it out. You believe it. Psalm 84.10, he says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
He's comparing and contrasting. That's a great exercise for you and I to do. Especially in those moments when you and I are struggling. We're struggling to worship. We're struggling to sing. We're struggling to see the value of Jesus. Try the comparison and contrast exercise in those moments. And you'll be left overwhelmed. You'll you'll be left being drawn in again and wooed in again and again and again at this Jesus. We express what we think and feel about what we value. You can't just ultimately value something and just stay quiet about it. You you will post something about it. You will write something about it. You'll tell somebody about it. You will wear it on a shirt. We are made to express what we value. And that's what worship is. You see, we're not not increasing Jesus' value by saying we believe in him. Nor are you decreasing his value by saying you don't believe in Jesus. Worship is when you express that you believe in Jesus. That you trust him. That's what worship is. is. Verse 13, he says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. By the way, that sounds pretty big. That sounds like that's a big event going on. That sounds like something is incredibly important to take notice of and to be enjoyed. That's the kind of party I want to go to. The one that doesn't end. The one that they don't run out of drinks or food or the numbers dwindle down and it starts to feel kind of, ah, where's everybody at? Listen to this. Verse 13 says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them. We're talking about sea creatures here. We're talking about like everything that's ever been created by God. They're the ones saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory forever and ever. You get that? They're expressing what they value. It's very clear what they value. Remember the woman in Matthew 26, the woman who poured out this expensive jar of perfume? Of course, others are arguing with her. Why did you do that? What a waste. What are you thinking? And to her, she's expressing belief, faith, trust in the one who's more lovely and the one who's more costly and worth more than the bottle of perfume that she just poured out. That's why we give. That's why we tithe. That's why we serve. That's why we help. That's why literally you can go to a neighbor, a perfect stranger, knock on their door and ask them, hey, can I serve you? Is there something I can do for you? And after about three seconds of awkwardness, they'll tell you something. And then you just do it. You just do it. No strings attached. I want to help you. I want to serve you. Expressing expressing that something has worth, I'm trying to say, it's so normal for us. We do this as human beings. I love Anthony Bourdain so much. I love how he can take you to Japan and spend an hour there, and it feels like five minutes. And that's what he's doing. He's expressing the value of the food, the culture, the experience. And yet somehow with worship to God, we, we kind of start getting quiet. 
We start feeling maybe embarrassed or we start feeling like, yeah, but God isn't tangible. Where, where is God anyway? Jesus is of more value. He's of more beauty than any experience, anything that you or I could ever have. That's why in Ephesians, when Paul is writing to this little church in a little place called Ephesus, chapter 3, he says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory and beauty, (laughs) that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit. His spirit, which is in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you who are rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. This is his prayer. Basically, that you can comprehend what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Christ. That's what he wants us to get. That's what God wants you to get and he wants me to get is to understand how deep and wide and broad is God's love. And when you and I begin to get it, we begin to react in a way. We we begin to express that. We, We come out of gratitude and thanksgiving, not guilt. There's no guilt anywhere in this passage. Sometimes the church at large and Christianity as a subculture has attached all sorts of guilt. But not the heart of God. The heart of God is God wants you to see him and he wants you to worship him for who he is. The psalmist says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. As we move on to the second thing here, what are you worth to God? What is it that you're worth to God? We, we, we've talked about Jesus and what is Jesus worth, and we, we kind of end that conversation with the psalmist saying, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Lord, I can say that you are, you are worth more than I can imagine, but I don't even have words to express that. But what is it that you are worth to God? And so many times we feel unworthy. We feel unworthy based on maybe something that we've done, our past, maybe somewhere we used to live and some, those people know us better than the people where I'm living now knows me. And if, boy, if you were to go ask them what I'm worth, the people in these new parts would tell you something different than what those people would tell you. We may feel unworthy. Who knows? Who really knows what Kate Spade was thinking and feeling this week at her darkest, deepest moment of depression? Same for Anthony Bourdain. We feel unworthy. I'm remembering Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, right? He's far away. He's squandered his share of the inheritance. And he tells himself while he's in the pigsty, in the mud, and everything else that's there, uh, he, he, thought, he, he says, I'm unworthy to be called a son. And the beautiful thing about that story and that passage is that whenever he makes it back home to the father, the very first thing that the father does besides running to him and opening up his arms to him is he calls him son. He calls him son. He wants to reinstate his identity. He felt unworthy based on his past. The guilt, the shame, maybe addiction, whatever's there. But here's the beautiful news to us today is that that God... God loves you. As simple as 
kindergartenish as that may sound, God loves you. God loves you. And that you are bought with a price. This, this Jesus whom, whom all these lyrics are about and who, whom they're ascribing all this beauty and glory and praise and honor to is the same Jesus that bought you with a price. He bought you. He's freed you. You are no longer enslaved. That's something to sing about. That shapes and reshapes your identity and who you are that nobody can take away from you. Verse, um, verse 9 here, that, that, that God loves... What, what, what are you worth to God? Here's another thing. God loves ethnic diversity. Verse 9, every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. God loves ethnic diversity. That's what he thinks about you. He loves that you're Asian. He loves that you're white. He loves that you're black. He loves that you're Latino. He created that in you. He wants you to be that. And that you're a son and a daughter of the king. Look at verse 10 here. He says, the lyrics say, you made them to be a kingdom and priest. Wow, do you get that? That you're a, you're a son, you're a daughter of the king? You've been brought into this kingdom, which means your identity's been changed. And if that doesn't make you sing, Remember this. Remember this this week when voices around us and in us are trying to tell us that we don't belong, that we don't matter, that no one's really thinking about us. Um, Hear that you're a son. Hear that you're a daughter of the king of all nations who loves you. What else does God think about you and your worth? You are God's delight. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Psalm 17, 8. The psalmist is saying, keep me as the apple of your eye, O Lord. Wow, I'm the apple of God's eye. You are the apple of God's eye. We, his people, are the apple of his eye. That means his prized possession. Possession, yes, because he's purchased us. He's redeemed us. He's been a substitutionary atonement for us. Psalm 147, verse 11 says, The Lord takes great pleasure in those who trust him. That's your worth. He takes great pleasure in you. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? Many times during the day or many times during the week, we, our mind drifts and we start thinking about other things and we start thinking about, what's my worth? What does Forbes magazine tell me my worth is? And we kind of, that okay, we're going to change that subject real quickly because that probably makes most of us feel like we don't have much of a worth. You, you get the silliness of all that anyway because the person who does feel a lot of worth, um, perhaps can feel very arrogant. And the person, according to those standards, who maybe doesn't have as large of a bank account can feel very insecure. And so the good news that blows all of that away is that your worth is not in that. 
Your worth is in this identity that can't be taken away from you, that can't even be improved, but it can be enjoyed. It can be, by faith, walked out and lived this week. That's what this comes to. It comes to you and I asking ourselves, what is it that I value? Who is it that I value? And how does that change me this week? What would it look like if I began to value Jesus more than I do right now? How would that change my worship? How would that change how I spent my week this week? Three things in closing here um, as a process. This is a process. This is not a one and done. This is not a, if you get this, you'll get it forever. It's a process. And so three things kind of in closing or uh, life takeaways is um, the first one is worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. Look at verse 14. It says they fell down and they worshiped. They fell down and they worshiped. They were undone. They just fell down and worshiped. I invite you this week to cry, to raise your hands, to fall on your knees, to shout, to be silent, to write, to journal, to feel Jesus' worth. What would that look like? Maybe it's at the beach. Maybe it's as soon as you wake up, you start to pray, like right then. Right then. Lord, today's a new day. There are challenges innumerable. There are going to be haters innumerable. I want to receive what you have for me today. I want to receive your love and affections for me today as I walk through this day full of ups, downs, successes, failures, all of it. Help me worship you today. A friend of mine uh, shares with me as we meet up to pray uh, periodically that, that that's the first thing he does as soon as he wakes up. He, he literally rolls out of his bed on the floor. <laughs> and he's on the floor, just like laid out, praying, praying. That's worship. That's what worship looks like. It's that place you go to to get filled up with direction and truth. The second thing uh, is, is love Jesus. We said worship Jesus. This one says love Jesus. We didn't say just know about Jesus. This is love Jesus. Think about a spouse, a, a, um, a fiancé, a to-be fiancé, a, a best friend that, that you love. Think about loving Jesus. What do you do for someone that you love? You talk to them, you tell them, you you feel things for them, you say no to other things because of that love for them. It drives you, it motivates you. You're not doing it because you have to, you want to. (laughs) Love Jesus, pursue him, learn from him, follow him. Psalm 42 is an example here. David expressing what loving Jesus kind of looks like. He says, as the deer pants for the streams of water, 
So my soul, O oh God, pants for you. When can I go and meet with you, O oh God? So in loving Jesus, ask for desire. In all honesty, you might think, you know what, that, that sounds pretty high and lofty. <laughs> to have that kind of passion and desire for Jesus. I, I don't know that I'm quite there. If that's where you are, ask for desire. God, change my desires. Help me thirst for you more than I thirst for all these other things. And lastly, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. And you say, with what? Everything. Everything. Your life, your future, your money, your problems, your successes, the things that you celebrate. Trust Jesus. Let's stop right there and pray. Father, we, we are unable to worship you. We're unable to love you. We're unable to even trust you unless you enable and empower us. And God, we, we gather to thank you that you have empowered us by your spirit. Past tense, it's already happened. Because we're in union with you through this relationship that you've secured for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have been empowered to worship you. We have been set free to love you. And we have been given the gift of being able to trust you. Father God, give us mercy, give us strength to live this out this week. Captivate our wandering minds and our wandering hearts and make us even deeper worshipers of yourself. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.